And I would like to talk about our light. The title for my meditation or message this morning would be Lights for a Darkened World or Is My Light Burning? So that is a very common subject, I believe, but I believe it's very important and this is kind of something that God has been prompting me a little bit on and I'd just like to kind of share it as a testimony. Before we get started, why don't we turn, or as we get started, why don't we turn to our text in Matthew 5. And it seems like when Jesus was here on this earth and he was talking to his disciples or he was talking to a crowd of people and there was, an, there was a subject that he really wanted to send home or really wanted to leave an indelible impression or was very important to him that the people understand what he's trying to say, oftentimes he used parables or everyday illustrations so you could apply it and it would make more sense or it would kind of go home. And I think that's what he did here. So I'd like to have, I have three or four different points on our light. Beginning in chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, This is what he said. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now before I go on, here he told them a whole bunch of things that are probably very contrary to either what they heard before or maybe it was kind of a new thought about rejoicing when you're being persecuted. Or uh, uh, being comforted when you mourn. So he gives them what I believe is kind of an everyday example. He says, ye, what I just told you, ye Christians, are the salt of the earth. And I believe what he was saying earlier, he was wanting them to put to practice, and this is what would make them salt. Ye are the salt of the earth, if the salt has lost its savior, savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is hence, it is thenceforth good for nothing, and shall be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. Then he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Then he says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In the chapter before, um, 
in Matthew 4, but I lost my... Uh... Anyhow, it talks about when you were in darkness, there came unto you a great light, I believe. Somewhere in chapter 4 it says that, and I might not be quoting it exactly how it says that, but it talks about a great light, and that was Jesus. That great light, when we were in darkness, he came to this world and he shone the light into the hearts and lives of men. People followed him. He's shown the hearts of, he's shown the light in the darkest corner. He brought life to people. He brought encouragement to people. He brought, he brought something to people that made them thirsty for more of him. He brought something to people that made them be able to live above sin and self. Now he's gone. And he's looking to you and me to be that light. For every one of us Christians, when we gave our heart to the Lord and we committed our life to him, I believe God lit a light in us. Old things became new. We are a new creature. Behold, all things are new. There was a light. There was a spark in our steps. Something changed in our life. God lit it. Now, how is that light doing? God lit it. He has all the resources to keep it lit. There is nothing that can blow that out except for us. How is my light doing? God is relying on us to shine that light. Us as Christians are really the only one, only thing, the only light that God has. How is my light doing? How is it burning? Is it burning? Is it under a bushel? Is it almost out? Is it dark? A lot of times, and this is kind of the scary thing about this example, a lot of times we like to say, my relationship is between me and God. And it is. It is our responsibility, and that's something that people can't necessarily always judge, your relationship between you and God. But this light is for men to see, and we can see it. Other people can see it. What are they seeing? God laid it out very clear here. This light is for others to see. So we can't hide behind the thing of, it's just between me and God. This is something that people can see. So, to want, so if you wonder how your light is doing or where it is, maybe it'd be a good thing to ask somebody, how is my light doing? Because they can see it. Is that too open? I don't know. It kind of makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable when people can actually see how your light is doing. It'd be kind of, con- it'd be kind of contrary to... To see somebody discouraged and and cast down and all gloomy and say, I have a vibrant relationship with God. There's nothing that can take me down. Well, we can all see. I mean, after a while, you're like, something doesn't make sense. So how is your light doing? This can be very uncomfortable. But it is something that God gave us a responsibility. It is really the only thing the world has. Is our salt. And our light. Our light is meant to be seen. 
A Christian needs to be a light at work, at school, in town, at the sale barn, at the coffee shop, wherever you may be, and at church, not only at church. It should be evident to all. It should be clear to all. It should not be obscure. That's why he said, men don't put a light under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick for all to see. Now, that may, if you think about it, and I'd like to, uh, let's read verse 15. It says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. And I'd like to make a little bit of a difference between a light hanging like these or a spotlight. There it says that we should let our light shine. That is different than shining our light at someone. If you shine your light at someone and you reveal all the dirty spots on someone else, there is something a little bit repulsive about that. A lot of times it tends, it tends to make people cover up, go away, walk out of the spotlight. And some people do. They like to propel themselves out and pick out things in other people because I'm right. And maybe it would be right. Maybe it's right what they're seeing. But here it says, let our light shine. And I like to make a little difference between shining our light at someone. In a dark, dark place where you can hardly see anything, and a light goes on, a lot of times that is an attraction. People come there. They can see. They can communicate. They can, they can commune one with another. That's how we should be. We should be a light that brings people together, not one that makes them feel, to, makes them feel like to cover up. When Jesus was walking down the road and he got to this tree and there was a guy up in there, he looked at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go to your house today. Do you th- what do you think immediately went through his mind? I can only guess. But I bet a lot of things, oh, the Son of God, Jesus, wants to come to my house. There's a lot of cleaning up I have to do. Wasn't it the Pharisees right there said, why is he going to go eat with a sinner like this? It probably was true. They were shining their spotlight at him, saying, this sinner, why would you want to go eat with him? And I don't think he would have wanted them in, their, in his house. Something about Jesus illuminated in Zacchaeus the conviction that I believe we can have if we have that same light. Instead of turning people away, we draw them to the light. Is my lamp full of oil or is it running out am I really being the bright spot that God wants me to be where I'm at there are many places we can find ourselves in but am I being faithful in being the bright spot there are I've heard it said already that I would rather see a message than hear one and that is can be true that is true for some people Am I giving that message of life? 
Am I giving that message of that salt that people draws people? It's something our neighbors can see. How is my light doing? Is it under a bushel basket? Or is it not? This leads me to my second question. My light that God lit, is it a salvation issue? Can we say, well, I'm a Christian. Other people probably can't see it, but I am. I know. Is it really that important that I have a light that is clear in this dark world? And I tell you, it's getting darker. And the darkness is pressing in. And in, in, uh, further on in my uh, message, I would like to give an example of how that can have an effect on our life. Is it really important that I let my light shine? That it's shining? That people can see? People know I'm a Christian? Or can I be an undercover Christian? As long as I have a relationship with God. Can I be one that nobody really knows? There are some people that have worked at their jobs for 10 years and nobody would have ever guessed they're a Christian. Can I let it shine only when I need to, when it's convenient? Is this something that I can put this bushel on and off, on and off, and it continues to shine like it needs to? How long does that take until that bushel extinguish our light? If you put a cup or any bushel or whatever you want to put over a candle, it will burn for a little while, but eventually it will go out. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Beginning of verse 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while the bridegroom went, I mean, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut, and afterwards came unto the other also. And afterwards came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. But he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch, therefore, for ye know not whether the day... Watch, therefore, for ye know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. It is very dangerous to only let our light shine when we need to want to let it shine or when it's convenient. Here, in this example, they all slumbered us up. They were all doing the same thing. The ones, when I'm going to use the example, the foolish ones, they kind of left their lights go out. 
And they decided, I don't know if they decided, but it kind of happened. Like right now, we don't need to let them shine. We'll wait till the bridegroom cometh, then walls and let them shine. But that didn't work. It was too late. What if we are hiding our light at the wrong moment? What is draining our oil? On March 23rd, 2021, there was a huge container ship that was going through a very narrow canal. It had 20,000 containers on it. That is a lot of merchandise. And when it was going through this very narrow canal, there was a wind that blew and obstructed the view of the one one driving it. And it ran aground. And it blocked traffic for a long time. There were, while this thing was blocking this canal, which is one of the busiest canals in in the... uh, for the state of for the uh, to ship merchandise, it ended up blocking around four hundred other ships on either side of the canal. This prevent this prevented an estimate of nine point six billion dollars worth of trade. And what I'd like to use this as an example is we all handle a lot of merchandise. We all handle a lot of things of this world. We all handle, just like in this parable, they all, they all slept. But there was a major out, different outcome in the wise versus the, versus the foolish. There were many merchandise ships that went through this canal. But the one got its vision obscured and it blocked Millions and billions of dollars of merchandise, of flow. There could have been food on some of them. There could have been necessities on some of them, and it blocked that. That can so easily happen in our life. These things that we all handle, these things we all go through, these things that we deal with daily, if it's not kept at the right place and if it's not kept on guard, will block, um, will block necessity. You know, it was, there was probably a lot of food going to other countries. What is blocking my channel, if there is? Is it clear? Is it open? Is the necessity, is the oil flowing, or is there something blocking it? Am I letting the things of this world plug my channel? We all need to handle them. We can't get around that. What am I doing with it? <clears throat> If you remember, in Pilgrim's Progress, Christian went into this one room. And there was this little light burning. It wasn't just a huge light, but it was a little light. Or it was a light. And there was this mean-looking man that was determined to out in that light. And he went and he got a big bucket full of water, I'm going to say, and he 
dumped it on it. And somehow that light stayed on. It flickered. It moved. It looked like it about went out. And he got mad. So he went and he got another bucket and he threw it on there. And the more he threw, the bigger this light got. And Christian looked at that and he's like, how is that light staying on? So the owner of the building, I forget exactly uh, what it was, but uh, anyhow. He said, step around this wall. So Christian looked around this wall and here was a picture of Jesus. And he had this... He had this can of oil, and he was dumping it into a channel that went right out to that light. And it was going gluck, 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 gluck. And there, that can of oil never runs dry. There is only one thing that can stop that can of oil. And do you know what it is? It is when you and I get something that is more important and we stuff it in there to try to maybe make our light burn. Well, this will help. And we stuff it in there, and all of a sudden that oil flow stops. Then that mean man on the other side gets the benefit, and he can out in the light. Maybe not right away, but eventually he can stop that light. He can blow it out. What am I letting? Do I let anything plug that channel? He couldn't see it. He couldn't see him, but he was back there. And as long as he kept that open, nobody could have out in that light. Is my light burning? Do people around me see my light burning? Only we can allow that source to be plugged. Does... So to kind of answer that question, that light is a salvation issue. If that light goes out, as we will learn later, even in an example, it will cost us our life. If we plug that channel, if we allow the things of this world, if we allow the troubles of life, if we allow issues to plug that oil from going to that light. Does my light affect ish, uh, does my light affect others? This I think can be one of the most important things that we can do that maybe we will never realize how important it is for us to keep our light burning. It is extremely important because it really affects others. When our light begins to grow dim or when our light is bright, it has a bigger effect to the people around us than we realize. Am I being the salt to the generation I'm in? Or am I being something detestful that people want to spit out of their mouth? God uses uses salt and light to draw souls to himself. That was Jesus coming. That was Jesus here. He was the salt and he was the light that drew men to himself. And now he's asking us to be that for him. Does my light affect others? On a dark, stormy night, 
when the waves rolled like mountains and not a star was to be seen. Be seen. That kind of reminds me of the day we live in. It is getting dark and stormy out there and it's getting worse. And it seems like the lights are growing dim. Not a star could be seen. A boat rocked and plunged near Lorraine Harbor at Cleveland. At Cleveland. Are you sure this is Cleveland? Asked the captain, seeing the light from the lighthouse. Quite sure, sir, replied, replied the pilot. But where are the lower lights? They're out, sir. Do you think we can make it? We must, or we're going to die, sir. With a strong hand and a brave heart, the old pilot turned the wheel. But alas, in the darkness, he missed the channel. And with a crash upon the rocks, the boat was slivered and many lives were lost in a watery grave. It was around the time that I arrived in Chicago, when, which was 1869, that there appeared in the paper an account of a ship being wrecked on the shores of Lake Erie near Cleveland, Ohio. The account told of a place called Lorraine, which is situated on the west shore west of Cleveland. There was built a special harbor for relief of the ships that were most certainly be wrecked if they tried to ride out some of the intense and dangerous storms that can hit our large inlet lake. This harbor had a channel running from Lake Erie into a large basin, an inner harbor. Once ships received this, they were safe. At the entrance of this channel, at the entrance of this channel were rows of lights which were lit at night to show the ships where to enter. At the inner harbor there was placed a large lighthouse. This was to help the ships which were far out. It seemed that on the very day that the tragedy happened, the man who had the job of lighting the lower lights and keeping the lighthouse said to himself, You know, I've been on this job for several years, and to date, not one ship had to find the harbor at night. I just don't feel like it today to go out and refill the oil reserves of the lamps along the shoreline. I think I'll forget about them just for today. I'll feel better tomorrow anyway. I just know that no one will need those lights tonight. And so when night came, he went to bed, little dreaming that in a matter of few short hours, his unconcern would cost many lives and burden his conscience for the remainder of his life with something he would never forget. For that very night, a turbulent and destructive storm swept across Lake Erie. Some of the ships were able to ride out the storm, and some were not. But none so tragic as the one that Mr. Moody described in his sermon, which was so closely to safety, yet wrecked because of one man's negligence. He then wrote the song, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. This is a very good example of us and how important it is, I think, to keep our lights on. We will never know what for difference we can make in the lives of people that are looking on. It could be the salvation of, our, of some souls if we're faithful in shining our light. If we're faithful in being a witness and on fire for God, just like that lower light, there are there were supposed to be a whole row of little lights along this tier so they didn't wreck into them. And you know what so, hap so often happens to us? 
When we're out in the middle of this dark storm that we find ourselves in, we tend to shrink away from being in the light because everybody can see. And we begin to want to fit in and we let our lights grow dim. We don't want to be different. Sometimes it's odd to speak out for Christ. Sometimes it's odd to be on fire for Christ so that everybody knows that we're a Christian. And we begin to let our lights grow dim to fit in to our surroundings. And for a, for a while, that may seem okay, but do you know what's going to happen? One day, that main bright light, that main lighthouse is going to illumine the world. And Jesus is going to come back and all darkness will flee. If we wait to light our lights then, it will be too late and you will all of a sudden be very conspicuous and you will want to fit into the bright light, but it'll be too late. Then your fitting in all of a sudden will cost you your life. Which would we rather fit in, the light or the darkness? Sometimes the wars and the turmoils and the stresses and the peer pressures become so great that we allow our lights to dim to fit in. That is, can be very costly. The other thing. If those lights would have been on, there probably wouldn't have been those sailors that died. We may never know of the, of the uh, impression or the effect that we can have on people that we may not even talk to if we just are faithful in letting our light shine. There are people... I have heard stories of parents that have prayed for maybe some of their strayed children until the day they died. They never gave up. And it was after they died that the children or the neighbor or the friend said it was his consistency. It was his faithfulness. It was his or hers never giving up that brought me back. Even though they never saw it, they never gave up. They didn't let the cares of this world plug that oil. And it was the salvation of some souls. Just for even that reason. Let's keep our lights clear. Let's keep them. Let's not try to fit into our surroundings because we feel conspicuous. Because once that lighthouse illumines the world at the snap of a finger, at the blink of an eye... And Christ shall return, and you will, us, me, whoever, will quickly try to lighten our light. Because now we want to fit into the light. It'll be too late. We'll be just like those five foolish virgins that says, Wait a minute, let me quick trim my lamps and put oil in it. Because all of a sudden, I don't want to be the dark spot out there. The one that doesn't fit in. But it'll be too late. We'll be begging for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon us then. Am I being faithful in my bright spot along the tier? It could be the salvation of somebody you never know until you reach heaven. It could be the salvation of somebody that you are praying for, even though you may never, never see the fruit. And most of all, it will be the salvation of yourself. If we don't, Try to fit in by putting a bushel over our past, over, putting a bushel over a light, which 
is a temptation that is common to everyone. We don't, it's not fun to stick out. Some, it's not fun to get ridiculed. But let's be one of those people that when we walk into a place of conversation that people know we're Christians. Because I'd a whole lot rather want the ridicule of those people than when that light illuminates the world and I get the ridicule of God. Someday, it'll be worth it. Do we try and make our lifestyle or make our testimony... And what I'm saying, what I'm talking about here is not necessarily the outward. I'm begging for a vibrant inward light that is flowing. Just to be different on the outside is not going to cut it. A lot of times, and I'll say this, a lot of times the outside reflects what's happening on the inside. A lot of times it does, and that's how people can see sometimes is what's happening with our light. But what I'm begging for is a vibrant testimony from every one of us that can be lit along that tear for some poor ship that is begging for lights. Imagine that captain out there, that pilot. If only they would have lit those lamps. If only that person wouldn't have been so hypocritical. At the end, a lot of times Christians or people run away from Christianity because of the hypocrisy that they see in Christians. Let that not be a testimony of us. Let it be that we could see on the other side that person say it was the faithfulness of brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. It was their vibrant walk with Christ, their testimony. Not necessarily what they did and where they didn't go and what they wore and all that. Which that can make a difference. But the important part is you can just tell. You can just tell when you walk up to somebody after a little bit of a conversation if this person is for real or not. You take two avid football players and you put them on an airplane who never saw each other. And they're flying from one point to another point. It doesn't take long for them to realize that they are two heavily sponsored or heavily um, die-hard football players. They can just soon tell. And I think that should be the same for us, our spirit. Not necessarily our clothes, but our spirit, the light that comes from our, out of our face. The same light that when we first gave our heart to the Lord and all things became new, all the old things were passed away, that light in our eyes, that light from our face should be the salt. That brings people and says, and they ask, what is it about you? What is it that I taste? I want it. There's only one person that can take that away from you, and that is you. There's no one else to blame. No church problems, no wife, no husband, no children, no struggles that can say, were too big for me, it took out my light. The Bible promises that there's no temptations that come up, come to us, that there isn't a way of an escape. 
that channel, Jesus will always be standing there behind the wall in a secret place where we need to find him. And he has an unending amount of oil that nobody can out in our light except us. How is my light doing? Is it burning? It would be good for us to ask our closest friends, our wives, our husbands, our children, how is my light doing? How do you feel? I would a whole lot rather know now than on that great and final day. We want to be found with our lamps full and shining brightly. So when that main lighthouse illumines the world, we fit right in, in the cause of Christ. In closing, I would like to read two songs. I think I'll read this one first, the one that that story came from. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore. But to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the way. Some poor fainting struggling seamen you may rescue, you may save. Dark the night of sin has settled, loud the angry billows roar. Eager eyes are watching, longing for the lights along the shore. Trim your lamps, trim your lamp, my brother, some poor sailor tempest-tossed, trying to make, trying now to make the harbor. In the darkness he may be lost. Someday a bright new wave will break upon the shore. There's not going to be There will be no sickness, no more crying, no more war. Little children never grow grow hungry anymore, and there will be a bright new morning over there. There'll be a bright new world for us to share. Someday there'll be an end to unkind words and cruel, and the man who said there is no God will know he is a fool. And peace will be the way of life with love the only rule. And there will be a bright new morning over there. There'll be a bright new world for us to share. Someday we know not when the time on earth is done. And those redeemed from every land will all become as one. We're all going to shine with that light. If there's oil in our lamps. If there's no bushel over our basket because we just... ah, Feels weird to be light. And those redeemed from every land will all become as one bright light. Voices of all ages praising God, the three in one. And there will be a bright new morning over there. There will be a bright new world for us to share. Someday a bright new wave will break upon the shore. There will be no sickness, no more crying, no more war, and little children will grow hungry. Little children never will grow hungry anymore, and there will be a bright new morning over there. There will be a bright new world for us to share. Well, I hope that can be our testimony 
going forth if we, this week in our lives that we would be ready for that main light, that main lightning that is going to happen someday, that we don't have to scramble to quickly light our lamps. The enemy is real. The world is real. The darkness is real. We all face temptations. And the devil is standing on this side of the wall trying to out in our light with everything he's got. It is only us that can allow him to do that. He has no match for the oil that is behind that wall. There is nothing that can out in that. How am I doing with my neighbors, my wife, my family, my friends? Is my light shining clear? Because someday, just like that bridegroom, we could be working, we could be sleeping, but all of a sudden, the light will turn on and let's not be scrambling to quickly get ours to match that. So that is the challenge that I feel like God is, that I've been pondering. I want my light to shine clear. I don't want to be around people that in 10 years say, really, you were a Christian? I had no idea. Even though it may feel conspicuous sometimes, it will be worth it all because that Fitting in with the darkness to try. We want to fit in with that great light. It'll be so much, so much better, so much worth it all. So may the Lord add his blessing. Hopefully that can be an encouragement to pour ourselves in. And it's not complicated. Just like, just like uh, there at Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, I go back to that, go back to that thought a lot in my, all it takes is to find Jesus behind the wall in our secret place. That oil never will run dry, and that madman on the other side is no match. He can do nothing as long as I let that open, that channel, and I don't stuff it full up, or I don't allow things to clog it full, because the battle rages, and there are a lot of things that want to get in there. So may the Lord, he had his blessing.